0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new Multifamily construction, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. It was a uh, very uh, good night for Cajuns in the Diamond Sports last night. The games were actually pretty similar in that McNeese played well early. Um... And then the Cajuns kind of took control and and finished strong. And the Cajun bullpen, which I don't know, I I still think in my mind's probably the number one question mark. Um, on this team, pitch about as good as you can pitch last night. Now early on they got a, some breaks. McNeese hit a lot of balls like really hard at people. Like, had a lot of long, long, really hard hit line drives that were caught. But down the stretch, it really wasn't like that. I mean, Cajun bullpen retired 21 out of 22, so it was uh, pretty impressive. And, you know, we talked about something when Coach Glasgow was on yesterday with the softball team, and I think it's time and, you know, the way – If my wife was in here, she would say, you don't talk about this kind of stuff because then you're going to speak it into existence. But it's time to start giving this young team a little bit of credit about one thing. You know, they've played a brutal schedule. They've been almost, they've been on the road constantly. And yet, they still have not beaten a team that they were supposed to beat. Now, I guess you could say, well, they should have beat Michigan. But again, Michigan is still one historically one of the great programs in NCAA softball history. So it's not like losing to Michigan in softball is some big embarrassing loss. So for the most part, other than the Michigan loss, which you could argue they gave away with five unearned runs, um, yeah, they have it. They've only beaten LSU and Ole Miss and Central Florida, although UCF is... Uh, Having a medicine season, which you know, I guess it's not to be uh, a surprise to anyone, but but they haven't lost a team. And look, McNeese losing to McNeese is not an embarrassing loss either. And yet, you feel like you're you're a little bit better than them, and you should beat them. And they have. So you got to give this. uh, You know, if you're a young team or you're a fatigued young team because of who you've been playing, that seems like that would be the kind of a team that might give a game away to a program that you feel like you're better than or a team that you feel like you're better than, and yet they haven't done that. So you got to give them some credit for that um, for for sure. Man, Carly Heath is having just a fabulous season, so certainly um, if we want to just, we'll be discussing more of that. We'll be talking with Craig Melanson in the 10 o'clock hour. So we'll be discussing a little bit more about Cajun baseball and certainly uh, more about Cajun basketball as we wait until Sunday to see how the selection process takes place. Now, did anything happen last night, Mr. NCAA tournament man, That um, that was good or bad for the Cajuns?
2: So nothing really happened last night. There wasn't really a whole lot of opportunities for things to happen. But what I do have for you is an is an organized kind of updated chart. I now now that all the conference tournaments are kind of set and rolling along and stuff, I have um, basically there are five opportunities. The Cajuns, as far as everything I've seen, if they're on the 14 line, they're firmly the the top team on that line from most of the people who are projecting them. So essentially they really only need one big upset to happen they need one conference tournament projected winner out of these five to lose so your options that are left are the atlantic ten the mac m-a-c we'll get to that in a minute the WAC, the ivy league and then the m-a-a-c so both of the conferences that have the mac acronym you need someone to lose that's projected to win those conferences you had seven chances when this whole thing started because the colonial and the summit league were two other chances but Charleston and Oral Roberts, who were both the favorites, already won. So those are locked in. So you're down to five. Um, and in, in the Atlantic 10, there's a couple of these where you need two teams to lose. Because in the Atlantic 10, VCU or Dayton would both be ranked ahead of you. So you need anyone other than those two to win. In the MAC, you need either someone other than Toledo or Kent State to win. So anybody else, if you're taking, if you're in betting terms, you need the field to win. In the WAC, it would be anyone other than Utah Valley or Sam Houston State. So any so in those three conferences, you have two teams you need to avoid, which are the top two seeds, I believe, except maybe the A10. They have a little weird seating. Then the ones where it's just you just need one team to lose would be the Ivy League, anyone but Yale, and you're good. And in the MAAC, anyone but Iona, and you're good. So those. And are and I
1: believe in having a little insurance. So uh, right, let's go. Happen, I think you need to not think about one. We need to be thinking about two at least.
2: Yeah, and that makes even more sense because Furman. Everyone has the Cajuns ahead of Furman right now, um, or a lot of people have them ahead of Furman, but Furman is, like, literally almost tied with them in net ranking. I think Furman's either one spot ahead or one spot behind you in net. So that could be a situation where if the committee, for whatever reason, just chooses Furman ahead of you, that could matter. So, yeah, two would – you'd feel a lot better about two to get firmly in the 13 line.
1: Um, I saw, you know, a half an inning of two different World Baseball Classic games last night, but, again, obviously – most people and even then you may not won't, won't won't be real interested in that until the United States takes on Great Britain but it was funny seeing the highlight of Jose Altuve get a single against the Astros yesterday for the Venezuela team
2: that yeah, was funny. Yeah, that was. And then in other World Baseball Classic news, I think Japan made their debut. Now, I have to check if that was a tournament game or if that was just them ramping up. But Shohei pitched and was pretty dominant. They
1: played China last night. I saw just a little snippet of that. It was 3-1 to one in like the 7th, and then I went to bed. I couldn't stay up.
2: Yeah, we'll get an updated score there. But I do know Shohei was uh, pretty dominant, and he, he pitched as well, which I was kind of— I didn't really think he was going to throw for them, but here he is. So Japan is going to use their superstar and— that I makes think them. The, interesting.
1: I think the punks. The punks have – they didn't do a whole lot this year. They're trying to get Shohei, and that's good. He'll be in the other league. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. But um, we'll see how that plays out. No, that's going to be. Uh, I mean, the deal he's going to get is is going to be incredible, no question.
2: So we had three games yesterday. These are the second, third, and fourth games of the overall tournament. Panama beat Chinese Taipei 12 to five Australia beat Korea eight to seven. Wow and
1: that was low scoring when I was yeah. watching
2: it and Pan- and the Netherlands beat Panama three to one so the Netherlands are already 2 and0 I guess Panama had a double header Now maybe that that might be a situation where one of the games started after midnight for us but for them it was a so you're
1: days. saying I I saw a little bit of of Japan versus China that wasn't a real game it was three to one in like the seventh.
2: It is not on the official or unless maybe it started let me see if the schedule is different for Oh okay there you go it's counted as a it's counted as a Thursday game because it started it, or either started or finished so Japan beat China 8 to 1 and Italy beat Cuba 6 to 3 so I'm going to have to keep that in mind some of these scores and schedules remember some of these games are taking place across yeah, a, the the so from here, Yeah I guess those technically counted as Thursday games so yeah, Japan is uh, is one to zero, and Otani got the win in that one. And you figure that Japan team's gonna be fun to watch just because of him, if no one else. So, elsewhere in the NFL, everyone
1: in New York is freaking out because Diana Rossini had a thing that said that the the Jets believe they're on a on the brink of signing Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know that how newsy that is. I think that still falls under speculation but if you're a a Jets fan I guess you know you're you're really geeked up about it and I get it and um man can you I mean like they might if Aaron Rodgers really goes to the Jets they might not actually talk about the Dallas Cowboys every day throughout the summer like because it's all going to be about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets really I mean I mean, they'll get their fair share of cowboy stuff in, but it won't be like every day like it is, you know, most summers. So, um, look, I did I did I did I dream Leslie Frazier's not the defensive coordinator anymore for the Buffalo Bills. So, like, there, they, I don't, I don't know. I don't think the Buffalo Bills are going to be bad but this idea that they can't possibly catch the the Bills I don't know. I mean that we'll we'll see how the Bills transition after last season. Um they they're going to have you know, they've got to get a little better because I'm sure they're a little frustrated that they haven't really even gotten to the championship game the last few years. So we'll see how they transition
2: yeah, Leslie Frazier is actually taking a year off. Right. So he uh, decided and so they're
1: in. They got some transition there.
2: Yeah. Well, and and as you mentioned, not only do they have transition, but they were a team that kind of faded down the stretch. And I mean, they 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 still had a pretty high seed going into the playoffs, but they you, you know anybody who kind of watched that team in the last month, you knew they were. Yeah, weren't the and same it was team. it was
1: injuries,
2: but still, I mean, it, you know they, they, they were not they
1: were not playing at a high level at the end of last season at all. And, and, and it was injuries now, you know, but again, still, that can mess with the dynamic of a team. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I'm still not, you know, I mean, I think two is such a week-to-week proposition that who knows what the Dolphins are going to do. I've been higher than most people on the Dolphins the last two years, and they've mostly came through now. I mean, I... I think they kind of cheat, the officials cheated for him in that last game, but still they went to Buffalo and competed well. So, um, you know, that, that division's obviously going to be very good, but I, I think one of the things that we've said, and if Aaron Rodgers really does sign with the Jets, that I think we overrate is that. A lot of these athletes, especially athletes, the the stature of uh, an Aaron Rodgers, they don't like. Oh no, I'm not going to go to the AFC because there's too many good quarterbacks there. I, I don't know that they think that way as much as we do, and I think uh, if he goes there, that would be another example of that. And well, it's a different kind of green, I guess, just not a not no yellow to go with it, but. um it, he, it, if I was him, I would say, and he probably had the power to do it, let's get rid of, let's go back to the classic Jets uniform, which is the best looking uniform in NFL history, I, and get away from this cheesy stuff that they've gone to.
2: The Jets, I, that's been frustrating to me. A jet, like a, the actual, you know, thing that flies in the air, is such an easy thing to kind of create a cool looking design around, and they just. Used letters instead. They like, let's create, it. let's do something. Yeah, they, let's take the old uniforms and then modernize them a little bit, and we'll have something here.
1: I think the old classic Jet uniform is the best. That's the best one ever, and they botched it. All right, we'll take a timeout. Talk
0: to our friend Stevie P on the other side. Stay tuned.
1: On the game, we have with us Mr. Stevie P from Lafayette Recreation and Parks. How are you, sir?
4: I watched Donna Herman last night uh, play against the Steelers uh, for the Saints, so not very good, but uh, I'll be better after after we talk a little bit.
1: (laughs) All right. Before we get to stuff, tell us some news with Recreation and Parks, and then we've got plenty to get to.
4: Yeah, registration for baseball and softball going on uh, hot and heavy right now. Kevin, you only got uh, two more weeks uh, really to register your child. Uh, but it's only thirty-five dollars, and we cover the cost of the jersey and the cap. The only thing that the child is responsible for is the glove, the cleats, and maybe a belt, something of that matter. Doesn't matter uh, how much experience they have. Doesn't matter their skill level. We'll find a spot for them. Again, you only got a couple of weeks because we're going to get the season going in uh, in April. Again, it's baseball and softball, ages 5 through 14. If you got any questions, you can call me at my desk at 291-8380. 291-8380. Also going to be starting uh, track and field events coming up in April as well. So the same thing, if you uh, have any questions about that, give me a call at my desk number, 291-8380.
1: All right, so... I'm sure you got a chance to see the highlight or, or hear about it. Uh, Jose Altuve getting a hit against the Astros yesterday, and your boy Bly Madras is at first base to greet him. So I'm sure that was a big moment for you.
4: Well, I'm sure it was a big moment for you, too, because you love you know, the World Baseball Classic, and you know you, you couple that with practice, practice baseball, and I'm sure you were just beside yourself. I mean... <laughs> I don't know how you can contain it, you know, but people making a big deal about this and, you know, Oh, uh, Jose Altuve playing against the Astros for the first time. It's an inner squad game is really what it is. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's what it is. He plays, you know, practice games against his his team all the time. He's singled. They throw him out at second base. All I worry about in, in during practice baseball is that my players do not get hurt.
1: That, well, I'm with, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly with you there. So, you're you're down on Durden and you're down on Gilbert. Is that true? No, <laughs> no, I'm not down on either one. Durden's a nice prospect. He's just not ready. The cat. He
4: he he's only he missed two years. He got hurt in 2019, and then of course 2020 was basically nullified because of uh, of COVID. He played 32 games at the at the AAA level last year, and he struggled. You know, and it, which is. Which is understandable because he's never played at that high of a level before. And then you know, you, it, it, and then you get to the, you know the, the other guy the first round draft choice from from, uh, from from Tennessee just last year. The guy played eleven professional games, eleven, <laughs> and he didn't even play well in eleven. <laughs> and, and, and you want to make him the start. You want to make him an open uh, start outfielder an opening day. Look, <laughs> need to get Jeff uh, uh, Michael Brantley. Uh, uh, need to get him right. He's older. He has a a history of injuries. He's not going to be a guy that's going to play 162 games. But I I, I keep bringing up the name Jerickson Profar. You know, if the Astros go into opening day and they see that Brantley is not going to be, you know, 100% until, and they're not going to say this. You know, he's just going to say, oh, he needs a couple of more weeks, a couple of more weeks. They said that last year about Michael Brantley. Oh, a couple more weeks, a couple more weeks. Talk. we talking years now. <laughs> Come on, give me a break with this. Yeah. If they see that that might be an issue over the course of the year, at least until June, I think they'll revisit the jerks and pro situation. But, no, they, you know, Durden I like. Left-handed hitter, could run a little bit, have some power. You know, I really like that guy. You know, and, and, You know, he's... He's ready, and the other guys played 11 professional games, so you could just throw that out the window automatically.
1: Your Mavs have struggled with the pales.
4: Well, you know, Mavericks can't play defense, cap. I mean, you know, I mean, really, that's that's what it's all about. It, 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 they were a not a good defensive team before Kyrie Irving trade, and somehow, miraculously, they got even worse. I mean, they're they're one game over 500, and then Doncic's having the uh, the MRI. He tends to over-exaggerate a little bit. You know, if there's one negative about Luka Doncic is that he could be a little bit of a, not diva, but he, he, he tends to over-exaggerate things. And, you know, last night they asked him about the injury. Oh, it, it, it's not good. Instead of, you know, we'll see and, and, and stuff like that. If uh, if the Mavs lose lose Doncic for any length of time here, uh, it, it's not going to be good. But, you know, Kevin Durant goes down last night. Number one, uh, if, 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 if you want a job, contact the Phoenix Suns because they, I'm sure they got a ball boy job open today because they probably think, Cat, why didn't you wipe up the floor? <laughs> That's number one. Yeah. And then the other thing, you remember when we were growing up, I mean, basketball players had high tops all the time. I'm not, you know, last night's injury to Kevin Durant, that could have happened to anybody. But basketball players don't play with high tops anymore. And just the game, the cutting, the jumping and all that, it seems like they should play with with high tops to to, to give them a little bit more protection. But everybody's worried about, you know, shoes nowadays and looking cool and doing all of that stuff.
1: All right. Over to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Pensacola, it came up that we were trying to find out what other father-son Combos, Deion Brown and Jordan Brown. As far as we know, we're only like the second father son, thousand point, five hundred rebound guy, uh, father son at the same school in NCAA history, as far as we knew. And one of the people we looked up was Marcus Johnson. And his son. Don't you think Marcus Johnson is one of the most underrated? In No one ever really brings him up, but he was a stud in that. Uh, I think an underrated, historically, NBA player.
4: And, and, and why do you believe that? There's a correct answer.
1: Why do I because, believe that? Because he was because in the same played, conference put, with the Sixers and the Celtics. No, that, that, that's incorrect. You don't, you don't even know the
4: reason why you love Marcus Johnson so much. You know, I'm because I'm, I'm, I'm he played it. at the Mecca. He, he play, yeah. He played at the Mecca. That's exactly right. Exactly. Anybody that played at the Mecca, is cat Love. Junior Bridgman. <laughs> uh, you know, Sidney Moncrief. The, the cat, Kit Benson. Cat loves anybody that ever played at the Mecca. But no, Marcus Johnson, tremendously underrated. Because yeah, he did play with a very good Bucks team that had, you know, a, a lot of good teams beside him. And of course, in those days. Uh, you know, guys didn't team up to chase reins and all that. But no, I remember Marcus Johnson filing. I mean, a guy that could that could score from the mid range, a guy that could certainly take it to the hoop, and he was a good defensive player as well. So no, there, there's no doubt that Marcus Johnson is one of the more underrated players in the in, in NBA history. And uh, again, it's just the era. I mean, last week we talked about eras with Pistol Pete and Moore and. You know, the, the, all the points that were scored in the early 70s, not only college basketball, but the NBA. Uh, Marcus Johnson played in an era where players just didn't go play for, for other teams to, to, to try to chase championships. If he would have, he probably had to have a couple of titles, you know, somewhere right now, and he'd probably be viewed in a lot
1: better light than what he is. Absolutely. So I'm sure you remember growing up, being in high school and college and just out of college and being all geeked up on Selection Sunday. I don't know that we're going to be as geeked up as we were when we were youngsters, but it's going to be fun for the Cajuns to be involved again on Selection Sunday.
4: Oh, no, you know, there's no question. It's it's a, it's a great event. Now, I still maintain, Kevin, you know, people talk about, oh, it's the best postseason that there is, I, I've always had a little bit of an issue with that. I think that the first weekend is the best. Yeah, you know, as the tournament goes along, you know, people fill out brackets and people have their teams in. Well, when teams start getting eliminated, obviously fans of those teams lose a low interest. And and as your bracket gets busted, and I know mine is every year. As your bracket gets busted, you tend to lose. A little bit interest in the NC. So, as great as you know the first couple of rounds are, and especially the first couple of days, you know, I talk to, to people. I'm sure you do too. You know, I watched every game the first day. I watched every game the second day, and then they tend to get burned out a little bit, you know, in the in the next round. I don't think that it could be the best postseason event when you lose interest as it goes along. You know, interest on a build up as you approach the championship round. So, no. I, I love the NCAA tournament and, and the first couple of rounds. It is very, very special. And you know, Cajuns had a great, great run, and you know, held off, uh, um, held off a couple of game teams there in the semifinals and the in the finals. There's no question about it. But congratulations to Bob Warren and company. You know, when ESPN first started, I know you remember this, Kevin. ESPN had all the games, but you know, most of them were tape delayed, except games in like your region. You know, it wasn't until you know, five six years after ESPN first started doing it, that uh, uh, you know CBS took over. But when when we were growing up, remember Danny Ainge going full court, the half court shot by Us Reed. You had a lot of memorable moments that we actually watched a day after it happened. Believe it or not.
1: All right, one more thing. Do you think there is a quarterback? Like I'm trying to uh, establish a quarterback. To, to compare Derek Carr to. Uh, he's played with uh, statistically the worst combination of defense and special teams, and he's played for six different head coaches in 10 years. And he has had the worst combination of defense and special teams to help him out. So, like, what quarterback in NFL history has still attained a decent amount of success with those obstacles?
4: Oh, Let's see. Um, I'm. I'm. You know, uh, Jim. For whatever reason, and it's not really a good example because he stayed with the same organization. uh, But maybe some little parallels to Jim Hart. You know, Jim Hart had a couple of good runs. Uh, He had some. uh, You know, Mel Gray was an outstanding receiver for uh, uh, for the Cardinals. He had Otis OJ Anderson for a little while, but the Cardinals. Uh, Yeah, Don Correale, they actually tried to run the ball. They had a few different head coaches, and as well as they moved the ball, uh, they were were not very good defensively. You know, on the offensive end, they had Dan Gerdorf and Conrad Dobler on the offensive line. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe the more I think about it, my answer would be, uh, would be Jim Horne. Uh, I,
1: I, I like Jim Horn. I love Medcalf. I wish, I wish the Saints would have thrown down the field like, you know, his, his son with, with Reggie, but it never happened. All right. So it'll be, uh, you know, a lot, a lot has happened in the last week and a lot more is going to happen. before we get you on next week, thank you for your time, sir. You have a nice
0: day.
4: The Astros playing at 12.05 today. Practice baseball for Kevin. I know you're excited.
0: Kevin, as always, it's been your pleasure. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, and we have here a treat: UL track and field coaches Lon Battle and Tommy Battle. How are y'all? We're making it all right. So <laughs> I understand your birthday today. It birthday is. boy,
5: it is. I, I was really trying to hide that from the world, but you know.
1: But was your real birth? Let's be honest. Was your real birthday present come? Uh, when was that Friday? When the Saints announced that they signed Derek Carr as the quarterback.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: That's a good birthday, That was a good birthday, yeah.
5: (laughs) I was like, okay, we at least don't suck totally there.
1: (laughs) All right, so before we get into uh, some track news, what what are y'all general impressions of that? Was that good? You know, it's easy to – some people were
5: upset that they overpaid for him, but Daniel Jones just got forty million. So it... you don't you don't overpay for a quarterback really anymore. You just, you just set the next line for the next person. I mean, two years from now you'd be like, that's not that much, you know. And they were they were in a situation where what else were you going to do, you know? I mean, you can maybe you can go get Jimmy G and he can win, but he's going to be there for about three, four games and hurt himself. Right. And from there, I mean, at that point, you are like, okay, we're either going to go draft somebody if you're going to start somebody you draft you guaranteed to win three games this year you know so do you bring Dalton back out there and draft somebody I mean it's it's the best best case scenario at least for the landscape but by, by far
1: also uh Tommy I, I think that I've always thought and I try to con- remind some people that quarterback is a leadership position and I think your personalities and your character meshing with your team and your coaching staff is important, and I just think Derek Carr is going to fit in.
5: Yeah, and
6: I think I read an analyst uh, uh, take on the on the trade this morning actually about the cost, right? Yeah. And and in his take, it was like, okay, this is the market now for the mid-level quarterback. This is the market. This is what you pay. Not that's not top dollar. So I guess they got actually a bargain. Is what he's saying, kind of like a know, little bit because he was bit. in that mid range 13, 14, 15th quarterback uh, in the league, kind of is what they're rating him. So, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, that's what you get for 150 mil, right? <laughs> but, but I think that part of the reason why some of the quarterbacks that have the talent don't make it is because they, they, can't, they can't take control of the room, right? There's some guys, Joe, Joe Burrow is the master, right? He, he has control of the room, offense, defense. You know, for whatever reason, he's got that it factor. And so um, he came out and doesn't have maybe the biggest arm or he's not the fastest, but he just wins games. You know, I've had some kids along the way in high school and even in college, you know, they don't have all the – maybe all the measurables, but they have the intangibles. And hopefully for the Saints, Carr is one of those guys. You
1: You know, know, I've seen seven, but when I count, it's only six. But it doesn't matter. When you've played 10 years and you've had six different head coaches – and your defense has never finished higher than twentieth in the league, and your combination of defense and special teams is thirty second over that yep. decade. It's hard to win
5: that way. Yeah, it really is.
6: Well, and you got, and you have the whole. Uh, off, that's just head coach. That's not right. counting. He's probably had 12 offensive coordinators. That's just head coach. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, everybody comes in with a different take on their offense. So, yeah. yeah, you know, you look at the head coach situation, but head coaches fire offensive coordinators to keep their job. So a head coach stays four or five years. They might have three offensive coordinators in that time. It's crazy. It's a crazy
1: it, game. And it, it, it's hard to get, to get stable that way for sure. All right. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back to that at some point. So, But tell us what's going on with Cajun track these days.
5: Ooh. Man, it's been, uh, been pretty adventurous. Yeah, I'm going to go all the way back to uh, cross-country because we had our uh, first girl ever make the NCAA championships, uh, Sophie Dago. She did a great job. Um, and then we just got out, just finished uh, indoor. Um, men were second. It was the highest finish for the men indoor since 2004 and the most points we scored since 1996. So I guess I was right four years ago, five years ago, bringing Coach Battle in because it, it's yeah. helped. <laughs> <laughs> So, I would hope so. Who, so who who is powering that? Like, what
1: how, what do you attribute that to? That success?
5: You know, we're finally a couple years ago. I got a new uh, distance coach, and I'm not saying he's powering that by any means, but um, he's, helped. They, he's helped. They've actually scored some points in the indoor. We were kind of carrying it the whole time, and I do like to say somebody wrote me during the indoor meet and asked me how my back was because he said I was carrying the whole team, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, we were probably split. I scored about 50-something points on the uh, jump side. He scored about 50 points on the, uh, on the sprint side. And between the throws and the distance, we finally got some, some help there. So, I mean, we ended up at 126 points. And, and honestly, we had a few injuries before we left. We probably should have scored 150 points. So, we're getting there. So, um, what, I, what's the
1: difference between in terms of evaluating your talent in the indoor. Now that you're transitioning to outdoor,
6: uh, well, I, I think it's a different sport for one. I mean, the sprint side, you only have the 60 and the in the in the 200. There's no 4x1, you know, 4x100 four, four meter relay. So there, there's one event short. We pick up the 400 hurdles. Uh, they don't have that indoors, so that's a whole another thing you got to train for. But you, you know, you're going to kind of rely on on you know the people who brought you here. So your better sprinters are going to be able to do multiple things. Lon's got a great group. He doesn't add any events, you know, obviously. Uh, so you kind of know what you got there. Uh, the distance kids, um, it's not – It's not uh, the points are more spread out outdoors. So in indoors, uh, distance points are kind of unusually skewed that way. And so if you – Arkansas State keeps beating us indoors, they scored 87 points in the distance runs. And uh, we scored about 15, 18, and they beat us by 20, 25 so they they dominated us in the in that one area because they got four and five per event and it skews more indoors so outdoors the points are more spread out because we have more events yeah
5: and it skews over to us a little bit better a little more speed power when you get outdoor all right so lon's been a track guy track and field guy his
1: whole life tommy was a football coach at some point so is it harder to scream and holler as a coach in track than it is some of the other sports, especially, well, basketball is probably easy because you're in a gym and, and the and the court is really not that big compared to a baseball or track facility. So how how difficult is it compared to being a football coach? Is it to scream and holler uh, and get your athlete's attention in track?
6: Well, I never screams or holler, so. <laughs> <laughs> we just have fun.
5: It, it, it's
6: funny because I think, so in basketball, everybody can hear it. Yeah. In football, you're screaming and hollering and nobody can hear you. <laughs> so you scream more and holler in football and nobody even knows it. Right. Right? In track, not too many people scream or holler, so when you do, you act like the oddball, kind of. Like, you know, it's kind of like you're
1: But you've been called an oddball before.
6: No, I've been thrown out. Yeah. It's just I'm <laughs> the only track coach probably that's been threatening thrown out the stadium. But so that's kind of a side note. But but the honest to God truth is is that when you are kind of a, 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 a Boisterous, you know, or whenever Loud track coach. It's a, it's a. What, what do you call it? A temporal sport. So you know, a lot of track coaches are very even keeled. They, they, they like talking to their athletes at, at a very, you know, intellectual level. And I, I try to do that.
1: Where did Coach Longson fit into all that?
5: Oh, he was kind of mellow. Yeah, yeah, he was, was kind of like mellow. Like the grandfatherly type. He was. But yeah.
6: Here is the thing: when coach, so coach, coaches kind of like me when you get older. So you. You pick and choose your spots. I used to, you know, yell every practice, but now it's about once every couple of years. But, but he was when he decided that he was gonna gonna make a point. The kids knew it. His his uh, the top of his head got red.
5: <laughs> it did. <laughs> that it did. And All when right. His head
6: got red. He had straightened up.
5: We'll
1: take a timeout. Come back with more with UL track coaches Lon Bato and Tommy Bado next.
0: This is Footnotes on the Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the Game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: All right, welcome back to Footnotes. Again, we're speaking with UL track and field coaches Lon Bato and Tommy Bato. So tell us about once the outdoor season starts, how many home meets people who are interested uh, can go and watch y'all.
5: We actually have one home meet this year, and, and it's actually, what, 10 days from now, uh, next Friday, Saturday, uh, at UL track and uh, soccer complex. Uh, Friday night we do a little bit of the distance races in the 200 and then Saturday's all day with the uh, the field and the sprints and all that good stuff the throws.
1: So uh, is there any if the Cajuns are playing at that time is there any uh, plans to get like a big t- big screen TV out
5: there? We, uh, I guess we can. I mean you could put I'd, it we, on you could put it on we could. silent, you we, can mute we could. mute it. They, I the... think they start exact same time as we start the 4 by uh 4x1. So we're going to the exact same time. In fact, I think we're going the exact same time Friday and Saturday. So so I tell everybody when they happen. yeah I tell everybody when they see people outside tailgating, they're tailgating for the track meet, not for the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like uh, who's coming to this? Meet? Um, it's mainly the Louisiana schools and basically the southern Louisiana schools. McNeese will be here, UNO will be here, uh, I'm assuming Southern will be here, uh, southeastern. Uh, not going to be a particularly big meet this year, I'm thinking about ten teams, which is great because we. We've had three weeks off from indoor. We're going to basically train right through this thing. We're going to run multiple races, but we're going to use it kind of as a practice, honestly. And where's the Sunbelt Outdoor? Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's going to be fun, fun, fun. Is that the first time there? Yes. Yeah. They weren't thinking straight. I mean, you put the, the track meet in a resort city, which everybody thinks great, but it's 16, 17 hours from here. And hotel rooms are like $250 a night. I'm like, well, you know, I'm bringing 70. I'm bringing like I, I told my boss, I'm like, it's going to cost about $100,000 to go. He's like, well, how are you going to pay for it? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to go. Hope it gets paid for. Yeah,
6: that's probably the biggest thing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that anybody really understands the size of a track team and the fact that four of us coach men and women. So we have 93 people on the track team and four of us coach, coach them all. And to travel track team is, is not the easiest Now, thing. how does
1: the scholarship work? We all hear about the baseball and softball, but how does the scholarship work for track?
5: Uh, same way. We have 12 and a half on the men's side and uh, 18 on the women's side, <laughs> so everything's pretty much parceled up, uh, you know, because we have, we have close to 50 on each team, so if you kind of do the math, <laughs> you know, the guys are getting a little bit less than the girls, but, you know, you get a lot of partials. And so that
1: is um, who who does like it. Who, who kind of like monitors all that? That's me.
5: That's yeah, true. I mean somebody was smart enough to put me in charge of like two million dollars worth of money. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like somebody wasn't thinking straight.
6: Yeah, so I go find him, and then he tells me we can't get him. Yeah, yeah, because no. <laughs> we ain't got enough money. Oh, whatever. No, we do a good job of that. I told him the other day we, we were joking. I said I feel like I'm I feel like I'm playing either Monopoly or Bingo. I'm not I'm not really sure, but that's kind of how it feels because we have to. Piece and parcel, and we use tops money and and pale money, and you know you try to piece and pa- academic money, and yeah. you know out of state waivers, and there's all this this packaged kind of thing to try to do our best to help these kids, you know, come to school and, and participate in athletics.
1: Now, Tommy, you've been around here for a long time. It's still got to be easier, even with all those obstacles, with the uh, athletic center and the, the facilities are still better than when you were doing Lana, this a long time ago. Yeah,
6: Lon will tell you, uh, when, I, when he I interviewed me for the job, I, I literally told him that it, it, it was, it was, and I know I'm a, I'm a UL grad. I'm a Cajun, right? So I'm, I'm probably a little biased, and I'm, I'm a Lafayette resident. But I really do feel like, you know, other than the school an hour from here, right, that we should be, for a Louisiana athlete, the, the next school that they want to come to. We have the best facilities. We have an academic support center. We've got a great academic reputation. And Lafayette is a, is a, I mean, there's a festival every week for a college-aged kid to actually have a great college experience. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's a diverse culture. So we have a lot to offer. And, and so I felt, I felt like coming in that we should be the, the, the next choice. And in our sport, at least, there's very little competition with them because they have won one woman and one guy on on their track team that's in my group that i would be going after right so i can go after pretty much all of the best kids in louisiana and have a great shot at getting them
5: is it getting better the crop the 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 talent that's out there are you or it it, yeah it really does it's really a cyclical in track and field it goes up and down um you know i think this year is actually pretty good i think we got a lot of the kids from louisiana this year and, and, um. and
6: I think the key, line is probably us being able to target. Maybe there's not a lot of depth, but if we can target this year, there's only three, right? It might be one hurdler, one jumper, and maybe one distance kid. But we get all three of those, right? So there ain't maybe a bunch, but if we can get those best ones. So we picked up the number one triple jumper in Louisiana a year ago, and this year he's one of the top freshmen in the country. You know, he, he jumped 52-5. He's ranked number 23 in the country. And he was the number seven triple jumper in America, but he was the number one guy in Louisiana, and there was only two, <laughs> two recruitable. One went to Oklahoma, and we got the other one. So, you, you know, that's kind of how we've taken recruiting. And then we go to Houston a lot, and we go Juco, and then we go into portal. You know, that's kind of the way we go. And if we can get the best Louisiana kids, I think that they you know, they have a vested interest in doing well because they got to go home tomorrow.
5: Yeah. I will say this. Well, Louisiana's good in track. UL's good in track. You know, when 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 they're not as good, and then all of a sudden we got to start looking internationally and stuff, and then, the you know, you have to pay more for athletes, and all of a sudden our squad gets smaller. Uh, so it, it's, it helps us when Louisiana's good in track. Yeah. All right, so before
1: we uh, let y'all go, I, um, Lon is – Lon, I know Tommy pulls for the Saints, but I don't think he lives and dies with it like Lon and I do. Oh. So w- they, they they were giving me a hard time because – I I, when I got the news about Derek Carr I was like okay enough of this we got to stop missing field goals and fumbling and doing we got to the 90 percent things need to start happening 90 something percent of the time so what are your expectations now
5: oh man I think 10 or 11 wins uh, in the south should be very doable with this group I mean you got to realize we lost to Tampa Bay twice because of Mark Ingram I mean he's going into the end zone and fumbles the first time around yes right I mean that last game, I mean, let's just kick it down the middle. That's all you got to <laughs> yeah. do. It won. He didn't yes. have to make two. We just make one down the middle. We win the game. And for it, for that team last year, and you think about it, like, shoot, they could have won 10 or 11 last year. Yes. You know, so. But again,
1: you, not with doing far-fetched things. Just no. doing basic 90% no. things.
5: Yes. Just do what you do. It's not even that hard, you would think. But no, we, we have some work to do. We've got to get us a running back. We're going to definitely need a running back and. You know, defense getting a little bit older, you know. Got
6: to find some offensive linemen.
5: Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that should be could doable. Be
6: our Cyrus could Seriously, be Osiris Torrance. Seriously. like really good. Some
1: him. people think it could be. Oh, sorry. And look, this cat knows difficult. He did the pole vault. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Just, the only thing don't worse than out the, the pole play. vault is the 300 <laughs> hurdles. Like,
6: who does that? You know you know what the, the thing is? I, I coached him. <laughs> I yeah. had to put up with him. Yeah. Him and his two crazy teammates. Yeah.
1: So he knows field goal. Compared to the pole vault, I mean, kicking a field goal indoors is easy. They keep it's, telling me how difficult a, it is. It's
5: the same thing. It was two poles to the pole. I go right down the middle. You don't miss one left or right. You're All right. Yourself.
1: Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all coming in, as always. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, we're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Le- Upper Lafayette Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline. Is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. The first hour, didn't really have time for phone calls. We've had two guests, and we're only going to have one guest, Craig Meloncine, talking Cajun basketball and and baseball in the next segment. But today, right now is a good time to call in, as well as the last two, if you would like to get in and talk NFL or conference tournament, NCAA tournament basketball. Baseball or softball, whatever you would like. Uh, St. Thomas Moore lost last night to Catholic of Baton Rouge. New Iberia plays tonight against Walker, another team from the Baton Rouge area. We'll see what happens in that matchup. North Central so far is the only team that has gotten through to the final. And we'll see how New Iberia does tonight against Walker over at Burton Coliseum in Lake Charles. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. So let me
7: let me see if uh if I got this correct. Uh, Roy Williams, he retired and then Coach K retired the next year. And now beheim that's how that's how they did this?
1: Well, some people say Beheim should have retired a long time ago, but but, but what, what 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 do you mean? Well he wanted what, what,
7: to coach his son, You know, he wanted to coach his, his son. Right. So you know, that that was real. Uh That's no, so crazy. I was thinking about Bayham the other day because twenty years ago, and down in New Orleans, uh, when they won, when they finally won one, and uh, I heard someone say, you know, you only won one. That's kind of a, that's kind of sad. That's like,
8: you know what I mean, man? Like, huh? Like you,
7: you (laughs) I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? Keep Smart hit that shot in '87. You know, things happen. Yes. This man made some runs. I remember that run in '96, man. When Mississippi State made it to the Final Four, they made a nice run with um, John Wallace, I think. And they had a team with Lawrence Moton. When Lawrence Moton, I always did like Beahm, man. I like his style. I like I like you know some of those Syracuse teams. Uh, grow, uh, remember watching those teams when I was growing up as a kid, Sherman Douglas, people like that, right? Oh, yeah, he played with Syracuse. I yes,
1: think. yes. Uh,
7: Ronnie Cichy, Cycli- Ronnie Cichy. Cycli- that's crazy, man. Cycle was one of those names I remember as a kid, man. You know, that's kind of one of the first players. People like him and um, Gerald Reed, man.
1: <laughs> and, anyway, I- and Terry Holland just died, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, coaches that are exiting the scene that were, you know, played, coached some great teams and great players when we were younger for sure.
7: It's like when you break down some of the players. Excuse me, some of the teams that won titles, especially when Bayham was that when, when he was coaching. Man, you had some you had some powerful coaches. Like you know, you always had in in the college basketball, and to sit up here and say that, you know, he should have won more is that's 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 where we are, man. And you know, this legacy talk, legacy. That's that's all. That's, all, that's just. It's almost like sports talk is to the point where people don't have any. It's almost like they can't come up with anything to say, so they just say stuff, just so people can just react to it. And I'm, and, and I'm the idiot calling for it. You know, <laughs> look, you have a good one. All
5: right, and I thank you.
1: Take care. Oh, you know, I, I I've not, I'm not big into all that legacy and the gr- goat. I mean, I, the goat. I, I really think the whole goat thing is like the worst thing that's ever happened to sports. Like whoever came up with that first, they just need to you know just go in some cave somewhere and just don't talk to people i mean it's just it's the worst thing ever to me uh I mean i we had these conversations before, but not I don't know it's just not it's not the same it's just awful so i I agree with jay and we we try to stay away from that on this show for sure, but um. Look, Beheim ba- was not the most popular guy. He spoke his mind, but you know he had his unique way of playing defense, and he stuck with it. And he had something to hang his hat on. And you know he was he was certainly part of the fabric of college basketball for a long, long time. So I, I, I you know, I some people are going to be critical of him because. He's easy to criticize because he criticizes a lot of people. You know, he's very open and and the older he got, I think the more I don't know if he's grouchy or whatever, but the more I guess when you've done it for a long time, you feel like you have the that you're at, you feel at liberty to to do that as well. So kind of is what it is. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. You know, we haven't talked hardly any. LSU men's basketball. But, uh, well, before we do that, let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
7: Hey, Kevin. Thanks for
4: taking my call.
1: No problem. Thank you.
4: Yeah, as much as I would love Will Wade to come to McNeese, you know, I don't get why his name all of a sudden is some hot name across, you know, mid major programs. You know, East Royer said on the coach's show last night that, you know, that Will has a lot of options. I mean, number one, What he did, I don't understand why that branded him as a cheater. I mean, maybe at the time he was cheating, but every other big program, I'm sure, was doing something like that. But I'll hang up and listen. Why do you think it took so
9: long for Will Wade to get into the conversation again?
1: Well, there's a stigma. Now, I get your point because I was discussing over the weekend about that. Like, we have this idea, especially if you, like, watch the 30 for 30s, if you weren't old enough to, like, SMU football in the 80s. You know, we have the idea that these were, like, these criminal, awful, scummy-earth type people, and basically all they were doing was giving money, which now you can do. <laughs> I mean, now you can give money to families who probably don't have much of it. And yet that stigma's still there about cheating and being bad people and all of that um it's um, I think it just it, it that stigma it's gonna be a while before everyone in the court of public opinion adjusts to what like the last caller was suggesting that you know, maybe year five or ten of this NIL, we start, well, the guys who were cheating may not been as awful of people as we we were saying. Now, Will Wade is kind of like a Boeheim in that he doesn't hold his tongue very much. And so when you don't do, when you don't hold your tongue, you're going to have enemies. You just are. And people aren't going to like you. So we'll see how how that plays out, but no, it's, um, you know, it's, I don't, I don't think he hasn't been out that long. So I think when you're in that situation and that happens to you, you need to go back there a little over one step back and, and work your way back up. I don't, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. We'll see how, uh, how that plays out. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
10: Morning, Kevin.
1: Good morning, sir.
10: Listen, I, I feel like Jay, you know, just sometimes, like, you know, I feel like an idiot because I respond and react to some of the stuff I hear on the radio. But, you know, I, I like to listen to all the, all the programs because, you get just, you know, you get a different look and your belief and so on and so forth. So I listen Ray. I listen to you. I listen to guys and Mesh a little bit in the afternoon, you know, when I can. So uh, I, yesterday – the thing that gives me the people that come on, Kevin, sometimes you know, I know they they, they uh, allege experts or self-proclaimed experts, or they got a podcast and this guy on yesterday with me, and mesh. When I tell you, he was from out of left field. He wants the Saints. First of all, David Carr's terrible. He's this offensive line is not. Any better, probably worse than what he played with in in Vegas, Oakland, wherever. Uh, the Saints' defense is getting too old; they're not going to be nearly as good. It's all negative, negative, negative. Then he 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 went with we need to draft a wide receiver in the first round to to give us a dynamic player to mix in with core and. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, well, he last, said Aaron Rodgers is washed Michael up. Thomas I mean, this Ford idea that. Back. Absolutely not. Michael yeah. Thomas couldn't come back, wouldn't come back. I mean, it, it was just every single thing he said, I was like, what? 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 So, I don't know if this guy, I really don't know who he was. He had a podcast. I don't know if he had some vendetta or he had some issue with the Saints for yeah, but he was missed the negativity. You wouldn't have liked him at all. Well, uh, I
1: I I heard it. And, and look, Emery's been on shows in this market for a long time. He and I don't agree on very much, but that's okay. I mean uh, you know yeah, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's you know, yeah, it, it is what it paper. is. man, you he, Woo, but but this idea good. that Aaron Rodgers is washed up but again it goes back to what I always say we judge everything on records just the bottom of the line but, we we don't have exactly. the ability to put things through a filter Aaron Rodgers is heard, not washed up he was injured and he was on a team in transition last season I mean
10: it's just silly I heard yeah I heard somebody talking about actually somebody who who made sense that that records you know a quarterback's record really virtually has nothing to do with the quarterback. Nothing, zero, zilch. You know, I mean, it. it I, I can't remember who it was. This was a couple of days ago, but you know, it, it, you know, like, oh, really? You don't think go- isn't that a not an enlightening enlightened opinion? It, it, it has to do with a team, or you know, it's just it. It, 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 it struck me because, of course, it's very unusual, but. Yeah, I, I'll just – Jay, I was not think about calling, but then when then Jay said, you know, I'm the idiot that responds, I think to myself, yep, Jay, I know exactly how you feel because sometimes I think I'm not – I don't have anything to say. And then, bing, I want to think, wow, this, this guy here makes no more it, it, It's, to say. It, it's okay. Look,
1: I, I don't – I try over the years. I really don't get that upset. At, like, some people hate Chris Collinsworth and Phil Sims and all these different announcers. Yeah, the only I, guy I, that I'm right now – I'm not with
10: that, too. You
1: know? The only guy I just so, uh, cannot take is this Dan Graziano. Like, when I see <laughs> when I see him you know on what? the air, why, huh? I just envision his face being on, like, a dart board, and I just want to throw the darts at it. That guy is the worst.
10: He's kind of smug. I find oh, him I can't stand smug, him. Man.
1: He's like, he the only guy.
10: It's like, not a thing that he ever, never knew, you know. All right, guys. Y'all have a good day.
1: All right. I don't know that guy. Just really gets my nerves, and the way he talks, and his mentality, and ah, his delicious just everything. I can take. I mean, I can take Stephen A. all day, or other announcers who I don't even never necessarily agree with. Before watching that guy, Dan Graziano.
0: That guy's the worst.
1: All right, we'll take a time out and be back. Stay tuned.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now. A season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents. Also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on uh, the game. Again, the game hotline. Well, we won't be doing it right now. Right now, we will be talking with our friend, Mr. Craig Melanson, who I'm sure has a huge smile on his face. How are you, sir?
9: I am doing wonderful. It's been a a great seven days, six days, whatever it's been. It's been awesome.
1: Obviously, um, you know, baseball and softball both had good nights with wins last night. The basketball team just won the Sunbelt Conference tournament for the first time in nine years, and it's going to be a very eventful selection Sunday.
9: It's going to be interesting to see where they they send the Cajuns this year, because there's nothing that's close. The closest place is uh, Birmingham, and it's 480 miles or 450 miles away, so Wherever they're going, they're going to be taking a plane flight.
1: Well, pretty much other than that, yes, it will be. So, again, I'm hoping for Birmingham on Friday. I mean, like, I'm getting real specific with my requests, and obviously it's a shot in the dark because I have zero control, less than zero control of that.
9: Well, I believe the Birmingham matchup will be Thursday, Saturday. Oh, well, then I really have no chance. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it would be awesome to go to Biloxi on Wednesday night, watch the Cajuns play Mississippi State in baseball, and then head on to Birmingham after that. So they've got that positive side.
1: That uh, that would be good. The problem is, guess what Wednesday is?
9: Uh,
1: Pro day for the UL football play.
9: Oh, okay. It's unbelievable. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it's it it, it, it it it's just unbelievable all the things that are colliding right now. But anyway, uh as far as basketball, one of the things that um one of the things that I I really like at first I didn't, but I really like the idea that the conference tournament is early? Because, one, you get to relish it when you win it. And also, when you get a player nicked up like a Greg Williams is, then you have a chance of that player having a reasonable chance of maybe getting healthy before the game happens.
9: Yeah, you know, 2014 was the last time we did it. And, and, you know, the Cajuns played, I believe, at noon in New Orleans and, or 1 o'clock, something like that. Then we all went to walk-ons afterwards to watch the selection show. And then they had to get on the bus and travel two and a half hours back home. So I kind of like it uh, for many reasons. But like you said, I think the the biggest reason is to get guys healthy and get some legs, uh, get some fresh legs in there, which could be the difference depending on who you matched up with.
1: A- a- absolutely. Um, the You know, I, I think one of the things that's so fun about this team is that they seem to like one another. I was a little worried down the stretch. About Themis folks and the fact that Themis was the hero of the of the final game, I think it's just tremendous the way that that part worked out.
9: and you know until you go look at the box score, the last two box score stores, you really didn't realize it that uh, you know Themis had played 36 minutes and uh, in in the game before, I believe it was 18 minutes or 19 minutes and it was Michael Thomas. So they've done – I think they're both learning their roles, and I think they're both – I like the way they're playing together right now.
1: Absolutely. It's going it's going very well, and I think it it's very matchup dependent. All right, so last night at Russo Park, the Cajuns bullpen, which is a huge question mark, pitched pretty well. I mean, the retired 21 of the last 22. We're still in the learning process here. Um but uh we had a good sign last night.
9: Yeah, you know, Coach Steck said before the game that he wanted Ben Tate to come out and uh and he, he everyone I think, like you said, is learning their role here and then learning how to pitch different. Most of these guys were starters on their high school teams and then when you come in and you're coming out of the bullpen, it's a very interesting dynamic there that 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 changes and you know last year we ended up with three guys starting friday saturday and sunday the previous three years were relievers so it it, uh, it was nice to be able to see them shut things down as the game went on because i think magnese can be very explosive at times but at the same time this we were not playing in lake charles where the wind was blowing out the wind the little bit of wind we had was blowing in so uh, it was good to see our pitchers take control of the game at the end, especially.
1: It yes, it it, it was very good. And look, I uh, I kind of c- closer is not as big a deal in college baseball for whatever reason as it is for a lot of people in in major league baseball. But I still think it's very it's 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 a huge notch in your belt if you can have that closer. And man, has Marshall. You know, is he looking like one right now?
9: He, I think, is the biggest surprise. Uh, maybe because, uh, I said, just because, you know, he was out last year at Tommy John surgery and everything, and you you, you don't know what you're going to get back after that. Uh, but, yes, very pleasant surprise. And if he can keep that up, and as long as we don't wear his arm out too early, and I, I don't think you, you will with with. Dylan Toyd in the bullpen, and also uh Cooper Rawls. So I, I think I think Blake is awesome.
1: It, it is uh he's developing a nice uh some nice early confidence uh for sure. All right, so the other thing that's happening is, you know, Liam is starting to get some at bats. It's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out long term. We we got Juhas getting some starts now, and Heath Hood is in left field. Um, you know, we, we've all seen what Mason Zambo has done, and and, and now Taylor's getting more at-bats. at, bats at So, I mean, really the everyday positions have not been nearly as consistent as we kind of expected them to be.
9: No, but
10: uh... –
9: I, I like the fact that it's early on and he's giving guys chances and opportunities to play those positions because I, I think we've learned, you know, at the end of the year last year, uh, Rocco was banged up. He could was banged up. Uh, Marshak was banged up. Will Vayon, uh, you know, so I think with as many guys as we have in as many interchangeable parts in the infield, which I don't think we've had in the past, but they're on all of that. I, I, you got to think that Mason, Mason Zambo is the biggest surprise there, I mean, the way he's hitting the ball.
1: No, he's done tremendous. And, of course, the coaches, Coach Deggs always reminds me that he led the team in hitting in the fall. Now, I'm not a big fall ball guy in terms of what how those stats translate to the spring, but he's obviously been doing a lot of good things over uh, a large period of time. It was also great last night to see Veyon get a double – the two RBI double because you need hits like that sometime
9: to get a veteran going. Oh, and and you see that with 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 a lot of those guys. I mean, the uh, Bayon uh, Marshak had the home run on Sunday, and and you and you got to believe that Marshak is not going to be uh, a below two hundred all season. I mean, I just don't, I I can't believe that. But at the same time, Marshak makes a great play at third yesterday. And showed, showed off his arm and why he was there. So no, you're right. You need you need a Will Vayon to, to to come alive. You need a Marshock to come alive. And uh, Julian Brock seems like he's a double machine this year. So that's fun to watch as well.
1: Uh, I gotta tell you, he's one of my favorite. Um, he he kind of remi- you know he kind of reminds me of Tommy Bates. Like a lot of current Cajun fans. Um, may not remember Tommy Bates unless you've been around a while, but he played for the Cajuns in the early 90s. And he just had that, you know, wholesome smile, nicest guy in the world. kind. Of, and Julian Brock really reminds me of Tommy. I, I, I enjoy interviewing him and watching him play.
9: I don't think Julian ever has a bad day. Every time I talk to him, when you walk up to him, it's got that smile on the face, and and I I I remember Tommy, but I've never met him. You know, like I know the guys uh, now. So, but yeah, Julian, I don't think ever has a bad day, and you can see him even when he disagrees with the umpire. He kind of looks back and gives a little smirk, like, "Why didn't I get that pitch last time when I, you know, when our pitcher was pitching?" So it's fun to watch him play.
1: Uh, absolutely. All right, so. This weekend, uh, I think High Point is probably a little better than, than, than what the name would sound like, but what are your expectations this
9: weekend? Well, I, 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 I hate to say the word sweep because it's baseball, but High Point generally has been a, a 500 team. They play in the same conference as Campbell. Uh, they've only played Division One ball for the last 22 years, though even though their university is 130 years old and they've been playing baseball for 80 years. So um, I I just don't think they're at the level of of a Campbell, and I think we didn't – no one recognized how good Campbell was coming in, and I think Campbell is a very good ball club. But back to High Point, it's three games that we should win and we should get hopefully get a lot of guys playing time when it comes Sunday as well.
1: Yeah, and Campbell, obviously, we knew they could really swing the bat, and boy, did, did they prove that over the weekend. So we'll see how it plays out. But, no, look, it's an exciting time to be a Cajun fan, and I know you've been in the middle of all that for years. And so, uh, you know, it, the, the Sunday's going to be exciting, and, and, and really all it, a lot of things are heading in the right direction right now.
9: Yeah. Uh, it, it's – I mean – Softball's playing in a, another big term in, in Florida and I, I I've had to believe that they're halfway done with their games pretty soon. They haven't even started conference play. So <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's it is um you know, a lot of traveling and hopefully they can rebound when they get to conference play in terms of their confidence being the same and what it needs to be. But we'll um we'll see how that plays out. I appreciate your time as always, sir. You you have fun.
9: All right, thanks, Kevin. We'll see you at the ballpark.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111 if you would like to get in. Lots to talk about, certainly NFL, NCAA tournament basketball, baseball, and softball. I was going to mention LSU. You know, LSU's we haven't talked very much LSU men's basketball because they, you know, finished 14th, and had a dreadful season. Um, But they won last night. And not only – it's funny how it works. Not only did they win, but now they're playing a team that they actually beat this year. So, I mean, when you finish dead last, how often do you win your first game and then you play someone who you've beaten in your second game? So, I mean – I mean, who, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the McNeese situation. Who thought they were going to make any kind of a run, you know, the season they had, and probably no one thought that of LSU, but it's really not that far-fetched right now that they could win this game.
2: Yeah, that's, we kind of touched on RB3. It's funny. Again, I, I don't exactly expect them to make a run, but if they were to get past that, they play Kentucky, who they actually early in conference play. Now, that seems like a long time ago, but they took Kentucky to the wire at Rupp Arena, which is a tough place to play, so... It's weird how the teams – they struggled against most of the teams in the whole conference, but all the ones that they seemed to play okay against, they kind of lined up on their side of the bracket.
1: It would be – I just don't think they have enough offense to pull that off because usually if you pull off an upset, you know, you got to hit a bunch of threes and and really take advantage of turnovers or whatever takes place. So, I don't know. It's just – it was just like, man, this isn't as far-fetched as you would think that it would – be with the situation they're in, but it's just something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, Again, LSU baseball, we discussed it yesterday. They're they're playing Samford, who is not as good as Lamar on paper, certainly not as good. And so it should be another kind of blowout city weekend. And then we'll finally get to SEC play, and it'll be more... Um, kinda interesting or, you know, there'll be more to discuss other than well, we expect it to be a blowout. And that's kind of um the case. The Cajun game last night was not a blowout. It was it was bizarre in that early on McNeish really hit the ball hard but at people. And then once the Cajuns got the lead, um, you know, we talked about it when Craig was on the 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 relief pitching was fabulous, so it kind of seemed like more of a blowout than it actually was. But the final score was five to three. I mean, the old blooping a blast in the game think line, and it would be tied, but uh, it didn't seem that close once the Cajun pitchers started getting McNeese batters out at a at a really a furious pace. The only out of that twenty one out of twenty two, the only person that got on was a uh, a
0: two out walk.
1: And so, you know, I've heard people several times recently say, we don't want the two-out, you hate the two-out walk. Well, I'd rather a two-out walk than a no-out walk or a one-out walk. I mean, I don't like walks anytime, but if I'm going to get them, I'd rather the, ba- the base is empty and two outs is the best time to walk someone. Other than maybe intentionally walking someone a really good hitter with first base open i guess you could make that argument to get to a hitter that you match up better with all right let's go to the game hotline hello good morning good morning, good
8: morning. okay look what i i've been i've to realization about all this season for the Cajuns and all that stuff and, uh, where we're going to be at do you think when it get, they get to the end with the, especially after the 12 the 13 14 and 16 do you think that committed sits down and really look pinpoint, oh, which one's better and all that? don't think Or do you think no, think, no. or no. just look at the net? Uh, uh, that, they, they got a better net. With
1: I think they might look at regional a little bit, but I, I don't think it's near the priority that we all talk about, no.
8: So, if uh, that's the case, I'm pretty sure it's going to be strictly net. And if it's strictly because, you know, then they, uh, the net came about because the RPI was uh, too much in the favor for the mid-majors way back in the day. Remember that, right? And then when they invented the net, that's where it knocked out most of all these mid major uh, artists. So, that being said, you know, Kevin, Furman has got a net of 88, and we got a net of 89. I'm telling you, it's going to come down to where Furman's going to be the last 13th and we're going to be the first 14th. That's what's going to happen.
1: So you don't think any of these upsets are going to take place?
8: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, right now, both us and Furman are in the 14th season. I think, only, I think maybe just one's going to happen because really and truly, only Iona and uh, Gale are like a straight loss that it, it, it would help us out. All the rest is like multiple teams in these conferences. Like BCU, it has to be both BCU and Dave. Uh, uh, you know, in the uh, – the wagon has to be both Sam Newson and Utah Balance. You understand what I'm saying? That's to be multiple things that happen in the conference tournament except for the nail and I do And they happen fine, but we're gonna need two because and you don't it's is a lot different than the net. The net does not move. You know, it stays the same if you ain't playing. And like last night, check one, I thought that would help us with the net. It stays the same. We did not pass the firm. so I guess we're not gonna pass it.
2: Well, the one thing to, to remember with that, the net can still fluctuate, but given how many data points are in there now, it takes more. It's not like early in the season where every win kind of matters. I understand the Furman point, and it, it's very possible that the committee would put them above us, but the the you know the situation that the Cajuns have against Furman is that the Sunbelt is going to maybe, you're going to hope that they value the Sunbelt a little bit more than the SoCon. Um, but if they do just go strictly on net, that one spot, that could end up hurting the Cajuns. So, yeah, you're going to need uh, – I don't know how many teams the Cajuns played among other conferences are still out there playing, but you're going to hope that uh, maybe maybe Texas winning the Big 12 could maybe try to bump your strength of schedule up enough. But, uh, yeah, it, it, that that is a concern for me as well, and potentially you might need two of those things to happen.
8: Now, one thing we can look at, though, they do see the uh, – the... There is, like, the twelve seed, thirteen seed. There is, like, a 1, 2, 3, and 4, 12 seed. Whatever. If we do all the 14th seed, I think we'll be the top fourteen seed where we're going to play, like, the uh, you know, the lesser of uh, the three seed. You know, that's how it works. So get well, yeah, and here. they're, they're uh-huh.
2: supposed to do it like that, but the committee is kind of in the past. People have kind of accused them of still doing Because the thing is that they're still technically supposed to seed it regionally, too. So it, it gets a little weird with that. But, yeah, they should, in theory, be the top 14 seed.
8: Uh, oh, like I said, when I started, I went. Do you think they're going to put that much thought in what we just been talking about? Way out there for a 13th and 14, I, I think not. It's going to be like, oh, man, who, 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 who got a better net? Oh, yeah, let's put them in there. Let's move on. And let's get ready for our committee show when they're going to ask us why. So so they make the thing. They worry about the 13th and the 14th and the 15th. So they could care less about us at all. That's the way it is. That's all. That's the way it all has been. and That's the way it's going to be.
1: Now, 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 FedEx man, how how did your boy Giannis even know how many rebounds he had?
10: You see, Giannis does so many
8: good things. I like he does so much uh, uh, post game. The things he says, you know, he never says anything out of line. What he did in that game, there, I did not like. You know, that's not that's not typical of him. I hope things are not crawling in his head and making it be become a meat player like LeBron and all these other guys. And, uh, he, he used to stay focused and stop worrying about all the triple dumps.
1: I wonder if someone put that in his head and he just did it, or was he really running on the court thinking, man, I got nine rebounds?
8: Somebody had to tell him that, Kevin. And, you know, now go back to when uh, y'all were talking about Marcus Johnson. You know, Marcus Johnson, the only reason why I came to the Bucs is because he was, it was his pick when he got drafted for the uh, – I'll do tree, you know that.
1: No, huh? oh, I didn't know how he got there, but I I thought he was really good.
8: I thought I did so too. But before we, we couldn't beat them under the Celtics, we couldn't beat uh, uh you know there's a lot of good teams in that era, but we had a good team if we would have been in the West at that time. We oh have yeah, to you'd have been you'd have
1: been, you'd have been rolling. What well, the Celtics cheated, the Sixers just had a lot of talent. I mean that was just brutal. Yeah. Well, all right, fellas, Y'all love a good thing. All right, take care. Now, Stevie P said something wrong that I didn't challenge him on. He said, I love everyone that played at the Mecca. Well, that's not true, because Jack Sigma played at the Mecca. And I did not like Jack Sigma going back to the Seattle days. Have you ever seen the, the Mecca's way before your time? Have you ever seen the court on the Mecca? I just always thought it looked cool. And Stevie hated it, but I really liked the Mecca.
2: Which What are you referring to? Like The, the Mecca pattern? is
1: the building where the Bulls and Marquette played. I remember the Cajuns in 1982. It was probably one of the more exciting selection Sundays because the Cajuns late in the season, they finished 22-7 and seven that year, but late in the season they went up to Marquette and they played at the Mecca and got their faces crushed. And and so there was a lot of, oh, no, is that going to cost them the at-large bid? Are they not going to get in? And they ended up getting in anyway. Um which was great but the no the mecca is where the bucks played and I don't know that Marquette played all their games there but they certainly played some of their games there uh it was just it was the first that I could remember of a court that had all kind of crazy color stuff on it it wasn't like most all the courts back then were just normal you know they just Look, you know, they didn't have a lot of stuff on the court. It was the first court that kind of had a lot. They put stuff on the court. I don't know. I just always thought the Mecca was cool. And I always did kind of like the Bucs because when I was like 4-5, or they beat the Celtics. So I said, that makes them good people. You know, that's just just the way it is. I always did kind of like the Bucs. All right, that'll do it. We'll take a break. Come back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to
1: give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective.
0: More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, got a few minutes left. If you would like to get in, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. As we are Thursday, so tomorrow... Uh, is Friday? Isn't it wonderful that we don't have to wait for the big news to break because it broke last Friday? Can you believe we're already a week into this? Unbelievable! So we don't have to worry about you know what's getting you know is, where is Derek Carr going or or any of that. So that part is done. The only thing we're waiting for is to see where they're going to send the Cajuns and how healthy everyone's going to be. Um, it is um, it it it's really nice that uh to 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 have that domino to fall. So we'll see how you know. I guess you know we have to wait and see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But I already uh, the main reason I wanted that to get done is to you know to get the Derek Carr thing to happen, and so the Saints can move on finally and. That already happened, so you know, if Aaron Rodgers wants to wait, no nope, no problem for me. All right, let's go to the game headline uh hotline. Hello.
8: Yes, good
9: morning. I had a question. I've been looking for the a, a channel to buy tickets for the regional. Do you know what the arrangements are for that?
1: Uh I don't think we're gonna know any of that until Sunday. Um uh, yeah, I don't think but we're do going to know. A
8: priority list or
9: anything like that? Or are they talking about it?
1: I, I have not. I've heard no information on that. No, sir.
9: Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right.
1: Thank you. Uh, if someone knows, I, I, I have not been given any information on, on, on that in terms of how to get tickets. I, I just don't think we're going to know any of that until until Sunday. But if but it is possible that some of it's out there, and if it is, please uh, give us a call and, and let us know again. The game hotline is 706-0-1-1-1, 706-0111, Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
3: Exactly when does, like, hatred start, like when you're a kid?
1: Uh, well, for me, it probably – talking about hating sports teams? You know, I,
3: I – I mean, just in general. Yeah, I mean, when, when does that stuff take effect? When does that spell get get you know? I guess it put started
1: on? for me at like five or six.
3: Man, I'm, I, I heard you a while ago and I was laughing. I said, "The man's been hitting himself since he was four years old." And I'm like, "What you know about hate at four years old? I mean, who, I mean, what's going on at, at, at your house? At four years old and you hating people already? Man, well, yeah, I hate teams. At four years old, huh? I don't hate. I don't hate people. I hate the teams. That's what I'm saying, but in yeah. general, at four years old, what do you know about hate? At four years old, I mean, you better done. You go to the party correctly all the way. <laughs> and, I mean, what's going on, man? I don't oh, know. I, 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 don't know. I, mean, I don't know I what it was. That. I told my old lady. I told my old lady. I said, think about that, though. I said a <laughs> lot of people say they've been hating somebody since three and four years old. And I'm like, how did that come about? To where you that. A baby basically still ain't be barely this guy over potty training period. And like, you hate things, hate people. I'm like, I don't know. I said, I never heard that in my life, but I said, maybe I could be wrong. I said, some people, <laughs> it, it gets in them real, real hurt but man, four years old, you hate the Celtics that young?
1: I mean, the truth of the matter is, I hated the Celtics probably 10 to 11 years before I even hated the cheaters. Because I didn't start hating the cheaters, so they started cheating in the 80s.
3: I didn't really
0: no, care about no, it until they you started go, cheating. Here you go. Until they
3: started cheating. Until yeah. who started cheating? The them cheat- or the referees? Well, both. No, Kevin. Both. Them or the referees? They were in Kahoot. cheat? the referees control that. They were in so cahoots. The referees. Those, so you meant to tell me? And, when you, know the ma- and, and you, you know come the come mafia was and part I'm of about that too. For the
1: and you know the mafia was part of that too. Corman policies from Youngstown, Ohio. There's no mafia in Youngstown, Ohio.
3: Yeah. But, you know, I knew about all that kind of stuff because I grew up a fan of this. So, I knew the owner had mafia things going on. But, he ain't the only one. And a criminal uh, owner.
1: Kevin was a criminal.
3: Kevin, at four years old, Kevin?
1: Four or five years old, yeah. I've been rooting for the Celtics, against the Celtics for a long time. Thanks for the
3: call.
1: <laughs> I can't explain it. I'm just telling you. Now, I don't know if my dad or someone or uncle, I don't know what it was, but I,
3: I've, it's been in me my whole life. Kevin, you're a Kevin. man. It's been
1: in me my whole life. I'm just telling you that's just the way it is. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, I can't really explain it other than to say, I think in my little mind, it's always was like, it's how you play out the good guys and the bad guys. I've always d- done it through sports. Um, and so, you know, that's just how I've done it. I mean, like they're, they're, they're the Gestapo bad guys. And so you can't pull for them. You can't like those people. You can't, you can't root for them. You just can't. That's just not, it's just not supposed to be that way. Uh, of course DVP always tells me sometimes it just bees that way but I try to fight that so no continue to um, pull against the bad, pull for the good guys and against the bad guys and and uh, it's nice right now that uh, the Astros are on this incredible run and you know, I think the Saints are heading in the right direction if they can just make some field goals and not fumble the football. See, Lon, get it. You heard Lon. All you got to do is make field goals and not fumble the football and you win double-digit games.
2: He sounded like somebody who's hung out with you a little too much.
1: And we really don't talk that often, but we think the same. That's for sure. That's it for today's program. Y'all have a nice day.